Octa Non Verba is a show that's raw and real, featuring hard-hitting interviews with people that live by the ethos of actions, not words. Marcus Aurelius Anderson is a TEDx speaker, best-selling author, veteran, and leadership and mindset coach. With this show, you get to join Marcus as he goes inside the minds and experiences of the world's most successful warriors, leaders, entrepreneurs, and experts. With each episode, you're going to get the philosophies, concepts, tactics, and strategies these leaders use to turn adversity into victory. Live an extraordinary life based on actions, not words. Now, here's your host, Marcus Aurelius Anderson. Knowing others is intelligence. Knowing yourself is true wisdom. Mastering others is strength. Mastering yourself is true power. Failure is an opportunity. If you blame somebody else, there is no end to the blame. The master has no will of his own. He dwells in reality and lets go of all illusions. Keep sharpening your knife and it will go blunt. Chase after money and security and your heart will never unclench. Care about people's approval and you will forever be their prisoner. Lao Tzu, the Tao Te Ching. I'm Marcus Aurelius Anderson, and this is another Octonom Verba Warrior Wisdom episode. And I'm going to talk about the widespread influence of the book, the Tao Te Ching, Taoism similarities to other philosophies, including Stoicism, and why Daniele Bellelli and I spoke so much about it in our interview on Octonom Verba 125. If you haven't got that one in your queue, go ahead and do it because I think you'll love it. For those of you that are not familiar with the Tao Te Ching, it's the second most read and translated book in the world, second only to the Bible. And that says quite a bit considering that the Tao Te Ching isn't mandatory reading for the largest religion on the planet. The earliest texts of the Tao Te Ching were excavated on bamboo tablets, and they date back to the late 4th century BCE. Before we discuss the book, we need to know a bit about the author Lao Tzu. The history of Lao Tzu has translated to mean the old master or by some old boy, and it's hard to pin down. Some historians believe that he was a contemporary of Confucius. Others claim that he was a court astrologer. And still others believe that he never actually existed and that his legend is an amalgamation of multiple wise masters from the 6th century BCE China. Regardless, Lao Tzu is who is credited with writing the Tao Te Ching and is therefore thought of as the father and creator of the Taoist philosophy and religion. The legend goes that Lao Tzu was tired of all the politics and corruption of the city life and was about to leave civilization forever. He'd packed all of his belongings and started riding due west on a water buffalo. When he got to the city gates, the guard recognized him and said, well, where are you going with all of your stuff? Lao Tzu revealed his plan and the guard told him, okay, I'll let you through the gates on one condition. If you're leaving and never coming back to civilization, you have to write down your wisdom so that it is not lost. At first, Lao Tzu was aggravated by this and refused, but the guard reminded him, hey, I'd be happy to let you sit in a jail cell for as long as you need to, to write. Having little other choice, Lao Tzu sat down in earnest to write what we now know as the Tao Te Ching. And listen, whether you believe the tale or not, it doesn't really matter who wrote the book. What matters is what wisdom is within it. The Tao Te Ching was translated as the book of virtue or simply the book of the Tao. And in my opinion, a philosophy is only as useful so much as it is pragmatic. The objective of any philosophy should be liberation and elevation, not enslavement and dogma. I believe the Tao Te Ching has a lot to offer in this respect. Some of the key Taoist principles are inaction, simplicity, detachment, living in harmony with nature, and continuous transformation. Here's some of the similarities. 
While Taoism has some similarities to Buddhism and Confucianism, which should come as no surprise considering that they all originated from the same country and region, there's another popular philosophy that Taoism shares many similarities with. And though thousands of miles apart and having no evidence of there ever being any contact between the two, Stoicism has some striking similarities to Taoism, especially from the Tao Te Ching. These similarities of virtue include self-discipline, self-control, moderation, humility, compassion, non-attachment, and living a simple existence, to name a few. They also speak similarly to resist the influence of pleasures or pain, to desire non-desire as well. They both also encourage following the ways of nature. We hear all of these sentiments echoed by Marcus Aurelius himself. It is said that Marcus Aurelius's meditations is to Stoicism as Lao Tzu's Tao Te Ching is to Taoism. In fact, in many ways, the Tao Te Ching was my gateway philosophy to better understand and accept philosophy and Stoicism. Here's a quick story about my discovery of the Tao Te Ching and the Stoicism specifically from Marcus Aurelius's meditations. Being named Marcus Aurelius Anderson, which is a story for another time, but you can imagine how that influenced me as a boy growing up. I didn't understand exactly who Marcus Aurelius was, and when I looked into the history, all I could grasp was that he was some sort of emperor, some sort of king. But as a boy, I knew that I wasn't a king. As a matter of fact, I didn't even go by the name Marcus as a young man. I went by Mark because the name Marcus was too much gravity, in my opinion, and too similar to the Caesar of Rome. Finally, on my 12th birthday, I went to the bookstore and tried to find a book on Marcus Aurelius. I had to order it and wait over eight weeks for my copy of Meditations to arrive. Yes, this was definitely before the internet and Amazon. When I finally got it, I ran to my room and unwrapped it with bated breath. All I can say was, man, was I surprised. Now, I ask you, the listener, have you ever read Meditations? The edition that I got had many these, thus, thouus. It wasn't very easy for a 12-year-old mind to read, let alone understand. And for those of you that have not read Meditations, here are the opening lines. Quote, from my grandfather Varus, I learned character and self-control. From my father and his reputation, I learned integrity and strength. From my mother, I learned this from my great-grandfather. I learned that from so-and-so, blah, 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 blah. To say that I was disappointed was an understatement. I mean, who the hell were all these people that he was talking about? I had no idea who his mother or his father or his great-grandfather was. Was I supposed to somehow? It seemed more like a letter to himself than a great book on philosophy. Now, some of you may be smiling or thinking I'm an idiot. And for some context, I didn't read the intro or anything else about the book. I just dove right in. And for those of you that are not familiar with meditations, it was essentially a journal that Aurelius kept with himself while on campaign fighting in Central Europe. These were his own personal self-reflections to keep him mentally sharp and honest. It gave him a chance to exercise logic, which served as a reminder of the Stoic teachings that he learned as a boy. Truthfully, these meditations were never meant to see the light of a day, let alone be read by millions all over the world and translated into multiple languages. Of course, I didn't know this at the time. I went back to the bookstore the next day to see if there were any other books written by Aurelius, and of course, there were none. So there I was, named after this supposedly great man whose book I couldn't even stand to read, felt like I was cursed. I was actually beginning to hate this guy. After standing around dejected for a few moments, lamenting my existence with such a moniker, I slowly walked down the philosophy book aisle on my way out. Then a book caught my attention. Also for context, this was the same year that I started studying martial arts. The Chinese characters on the cover of that book looked like the characters in my school. So I stopped and picked it up. It was a very thin book, and I opened it. These were the first words that I read. Keep sharpening your knife, and it will go blunt. 
chase after money and security, and your heart will never unclench. Care about people's approval, and you will forever be their prisoner. Wow. Those three sentences hit me like a freight train. And even at 12 years old, I could feel the impact of the written words. That book was, of course, what this lesson is based on, the Tao Te Ching, and I talked about it in the opening quotes. Even though the book was only 81 pages long, there's a lifetime of knowledge to be learned and put into practice. A couple of years later, when I finally picked up meditations again, I could better understand what Caesar Marcus Aurelius was talking about. Not much, but a little. From reading the Tao Te Ching, I could better understand the principles of Stoicism over the years. I also remember that each chapter in the Tao Te Ching was only two pages at max. It's broken into two books. The first chapters are 1 through 37, and these are filled with declarative statements and memorable phrases. In the second part of the book, chapter 38 through 81, it has many intentional contradictions designed to make the reader think outside the norm. These rhetorical questions do not follow the classical reasoning and logic of classical philosophy, but it's done by design. Lao Tzu was a bit of a skeptic towards overt rationalism and often turns logical arguments inside out to discredit and satirize them so that we don't take ourselves or logic too seriously. This helps the reader keep an open mind and look at things from more than one perspective. This alone can be an enlightening process. The idea of not judging something as good or bad and simply accepting it for what it is grants the ability to be fluid in every situation. And again, this is something that Daniele Bolelli and I discuss at great length in Octanon Verba in our interview. Here's another quote. I have just three things to teach. Simplicity, patience, and compassion. These three are your greatest treasures. Simple in action and thought, you return to the source of being. Patience with both friends and enemies, you accord with the way of things. Compassionate towards yourself, you reconcile all beings in the world. Sounds almost like something that Marcus Aurelius would have written in meditations, doesn't it? The Chinese symbol of yin-yang is very much part of Taoism. It is the physical representation that describes the interconnectedness of opposing forces like male and female, dark and light, hard and soft, etc. This influence can be found in many other philosophies and religions, including Buddhism, Zen, Confucianism, and Shinto, again, as to be expected based on their origin. Many forms of martial arts, such as Gong Fu and Tai Chi in particular, use the yin-yang symbol, and has also been seen as the symbol of Bruce Lee's martial art Jeet Kune Do, with the words having no way is way, having no limitations is limitations, circling the outside perimeter. Now, I've already mentioned some of the similarities to Marcus Aurelius's writings and meditations, which is interesting because, again, there is no historical data to indicate that either philosophy had access to the other, yet both Marcus Aurelius and Lao Tzu came to many of the same conclusions. There are some other famous books that were directly influenced by the Tao Te Ching, Two of interest are Musashi's Book of Five Rings and The Art of War by Sun Tzu. And I've done a full Warrior Wisdom episode on each of these as well. The Art of War is in episode eight, and The Book of Five Rings and Musashi's Life is in episode 122, which again, you can download after this lesson. Here are a few examples of Lao Tzu's influence on Musashi's work in The Book of Five Rings. It is wrong to be inflexible. You should have no special fondness to any particular weapon or anything else for that matter. Too much is the same as not enough. When the enemy attacks, be undisturbed, but feign weakness. When your opponent rushes in recklessly, you must act contrarily and remain calm. Inflexibility is the way of death. Being flexible is the way of life. Again, there are many references to being flexible and pliable, to being able to adapt to the enemy and seize the targets of opportunity that present themselves, 
because of these Taoist principles of adaptation and flexibility, these characteristics can only be applied when coming from a place of stillness, of being centered, while being the eye of the storm in the heat of adversity. Its influence on the art of war by Sun Tzu. The greatest victory is that which requires no battle. The way in war is to avoid what is strong and attack what is weak. When the enemy is relaxed, exhaust him. When they are full, starve them. When settled, make them move. Rattle and rouse him and learn the adversary's intent. Force him to reveal himself through actions to find his weakness. Attack him where he is unprepared. Appear where you are least expected. When you can attack, you must appear unable to do so. The supreme art of war is to subdue the enemy without fighting. We see the reminders of understanding the power oppositions and contrary motion. These statements are very much influenced by the Taoist principles of yin-yang. Also, this notion of winning without fighting reiterates the importance of inaction in certain times, especially in warfare. In closing, I'd like to reiterate that the Tao Te Ching is the second most popular book in the world, so its influence is literally everywhere if you're aware of its teachings. This also means that many leaders, entrepreneurs, authors, and warriors have been directly influenced by his wisdom without even being aware of the source. And that, my friends, is exactly how Lao Tzu would want it. The Tao Te Ching is also one of the favorite books of the world's top performance coach, Josh Waitzkin. If you're unfamiliar with Josh Waitzkin's work, his book, The Art of Learning, or his legendary Tai Chi or chess competition history, just check out any of his interviews with Tim Ferriss. There are four of them actually to choose from. They are all incredible and they have tons of powerful lessons and examples. By the way, Tim also loves the Da De Jing, Tim Ferriss that is. And in Tim's interview with Josh, he mentions Emily Kwok and that she's been Josh's protege for the last 10 years. And if the name sounds familiar, I've interviewed Emily a couple of times on the show. She's a third degree black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu who has multiple world championships. And she even competed recently and did not have one point scored against her. I did a two-part interview with Emily on Octanon Verba 30 and 31, and I'm also happy to say that I just had an interview with her recently in episode 129. Be sure to check out those episodes as we discuss Josh's influence, all things peak performance, and more. Lastly, Taoism heavily influenced Bruce Lee's personal philosophy as well as his martial expression, Jeet Kune Do. Growing up in Hong Kong, Taoism was omnipresent, yet in Bruce's martial art exploration, it became a guiding principle to many of his breakthroughs many of which influence mixed martial arts and the UFC today. Your after-action items for this lesson. Where can you start implementing the concept of non-action in your life and business? And I'm not talking about just sitting on your ass and hoping things will get better. That's not what Octanon Verb is all about. But when it comes to actions, not words, sometimes the action that we need to take most is inaction. This means taking time to be present, to meditate, to detach, to do some form of mindfulness. You can do this with box breathing. You can go for a walk. Just be present and aware. The ability to detach, to take a step back and breathe so that we can get a better vantage point on the chaos around us is another example of deliberate inaction. Number two, simplify. This is a principle echoed by every successful leader and warrior from Lao Tzu to Jocko Willink. Keep it simple. Remember, complexity is the enemy of execution. And for those of you that think that that's not enough to be successful, also remember, just because it's simple does not mean that it will be easy. Apply the concept of simplicity with surgical precision in your life and in your business, and you'll see an ROI that's undeniable. Finally, apply the idea of doing the opposite in certain situations. Where are you stuck in your life or in your business? 
Has it been that way for more than six months? Consider trying the concept of doing the opposite for a short period of time just to see what happens. Again, if we continue to sharpen the blade, it goes blunt. Whether you're burnt out from working on your business, exhausted from physical activity or stress, or being stuck in a rut, sometimes doing the opposite is what's needed to change your perspective and shake things up. This change of mindset helps you reach breakthroughs that you never experience any other way. Frankly, in many ways, this is what adversity does. It forces us to change and go 180 degrees in the other direction. That's why adversity is a gift. It gives us no other option. It becomes our catalyst for change. When there's no other choice, the choice is simple. Thus endeth the lesson. I know there's a lot of information in this lesson, so go back and listen to it again. And be sure to take notes. Remember, knowledge that is acquired but unutilized is the equivalent of ignorance. Thank you for listening if you've listened this far. If you enjoyed and learned from this, I recommend going back to other Octonom Verba episodes in this catalog. I have lessons that discuss at length The Art of War by Sun Tzu, The Book of Five Rings, as I mentioned, The War of Art and Put Your Ass Where Your Heart Wants to Be by Stephen Pressfield, the book Thick Face Black Heart by Chin and Chu, which is a combination of Eastern philosophy mixed with Machiavellian pragmatism. They're all free, so go download them now. While you're there, please subscribe, and I'd appreciate if you would leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen. This helps us attract more listeners and spread the Octonon Verba message to those that need it most. Also, if you would like more exclusive content and information like this, you can join the Octonon Verba Inner Circle for free at MarcusAureliusAnderson.com. Until next time, live a life of actions, not words. Live a life of Octa Non Verba. Thank you for listening to this episode of Octa Non Verba. If this message resonates with you, please share it out with others on social media.